Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Ladies and gentlemen, thrilled to have you here for another epic debate. This is going to be a lot of fun, folks. Want to let you know if it's your first time here at a Modern Day Debate, we are a channel, a nonpartisan channel that hosts debates on science, politics, and religion while trying to be as neutral as possible. We also want to let you know we really do want you to feel welcome no matter what walk of life you are from, whether you be vegan, Christian, atheist, Democrat, Republican, you name it, we really do hope you feel welcome. And also a reminder, we will have, for the first time in a while, a good old flat earth debate that you will see pictured on the bottom right of your screen. That will be tomorrow night. So if you'd like a reminder of some of the future debates, feel free to hit that subscribe button and that little notification bell. And with that, very excited to introduce our guests. I think this is, oh, I just realized I've got your, your pictures flipped, so I'm sure the live chat's giving me heck for that. But don't worry, you got it switched in. Three, two, one... So very excited, folks. This is going to be a lot of fun as we have a really interesting debate. And I have linked both of the speakers down in the description, folks. So that way, if you are listening and you're like, hmm, I like that. I want to hear more. You can hear more by clicking on those links that I put down there for you. And with that, I want to let you know that the format is going to be pretty easy going. So what we're going to do is have a five to ten roughly five to 10 minute opening statement from each speaker, followed by open conversation for about 50 to 60 minutes, and then Q&A for about 25, 30 minutes. So if you have a question, feel free to fire it into the old live chat. And if you tag me with at Modern Day Debate, it makes it easier for me to make sure I get every single question in that Q&A list. Super Chat is also an option, in which case you can make a comment toward one of the speakers, and they, of course, would get a chance to respond to that objection. And it'll also push your objection or question to the top of the list for the Q&A. So with that, very excited. Richard, 
volunteered to go first, so we appreciate it. It's going to be a lot of fun. And Richard, thrilled to have you back. If I had not mentioned, folks, I put both of the links for our guests down in the description, so feel free to check those out. And Richard, glad to have you. Thanks so much for being here. The floor is all yours. Obviously, morally superior position. Um, if you stick to a vegan lifestyle, you end up uh, causing less exploitation, suffering, and death of animals. I think most people would agree that we should have sympathy towards animals. It's not good to cause uh, their suffering. I think most people, at least on some level, would agree that it's wrong to uh, kill any animal unnecessarily. So um, I would just ask you, why is it okay to slit animals' throats open? Um, I would also mention that I see veganism as a logical extension of human rights. And I, I think most people would agree that we should be logically consistent with our principles and, and apply our principles fairly and consistently. So I don't see any way of justifying killing animals for food without somehow taking away human rights. So um, I would also pose a challenge to you. Uh, name the trait that is lacking in animals that if also lacking in a human being would justify killing and eating a human being. You bet. Thanks for that. Short and sweet. And we will kick it over to Kaz for his opening. Okay. Thank you, Richard, for uh, agreeing to this debate. Thank you, uh, uh, James, for having me and everybody for tuning in. Uh, I do have a prepared statement I was going to read. Um, I don't know if I feel that uh, I need to do that now because of the question posed to me. Let me let me go ahead and just read it. Okay. I'll start after my introduction. You guys know that I am Kaz and I am here representing Factitionalism, the Factitionalist Network and the party that I have founded. I host my own show called Contentions and uh, my goal is to build a community based on my belief that facts exists. And as I understand it, veganism is a, not just a diet but a philosophy which places animals on equal footing with humans that it recognizes their sentience especially our mammalian cousins it, it, its adherents empathize with animals and seek to eliminate animal suffering and exploitation by promoting cultural change uh, let me make my caveats and concessions up front in line with my moral framework i applaud veganism for it's it is indeed a superior technology of community while many man-made communities increase inclusivity up to all humans veganism takes us a step further and brings animals into the fold. And I do believe this to be a positive step toward perpetual survival, though not the final step. Whether it be aliens from a distant worlds or far-flung futures or alternate dimensions, whether it be the emergence of high sentience from our fellow earthlings or a speciation event of our human descendants, eventually humans will not be the only intelligent life on the planet. And any morality that is not designed to process this eventuality with acceptance will have to be replaced, which is why most, if not all, moralities today are inferior to veganism. One argument that is brought up by vegans that cannot be dismissed out of hand is the fact that energy transfer from up the food chain is totally inefficient when the, when the consumption of animals is brought into the mix. Eating animals indeed wastes energy. It's, it is a middleman for our calories, and from a purely conservative utilitarian viewpoint, it cannot be defended. Finally, the health benefits are real, and while there may be downsides, it is difficult to imagine that they amount to enough to invalidate the findings of the scientific studies which actually show improvements in health by changing to a plant-based diet. So let me just go ahead and get into my main points of contention with veganism. It is important to allow for some degree of disutility in order to actually maximize utility. For example, engaging in entertainment and frills does not produce advancement towards any 
a goal. When engaged in production, one might argue that it's a waste of time. However, a more comprehensive look at the situation reveals its necessity. For without respite, the mind grows lethargic. Production drops dramatically and the net efficiency is diminished. By participating in entertainment we take and taking respite, one recharges their mind's resiliency and allows for even greater potential for production. To the point, just because something has more efficiency does not mean it is the path of greatest utility. While health is indeed important and should be promoted, liberty is, necessity for, is necessary for innovation, which is necessary to overcome the barriers to survival that lay before us. Therefore, liberty as a principle must be addressed in balance with utility. And indeed, there are gaps in the utility, which I'll like to address real quick. Um, there is what I've learned is the choline crisis that we have evolved to eat meat as part of our diets and our bodies require certain nutrients which are not found in abundance in plant sources. A non-animal source of choline, which is the highest content, is the shiitake mushrooms, 58 milligrams per serving, which is 11% of your recommended daily value, meaning you need to eat at least nine servings of mushrooms, potatoes, wheat, or kidney beans just to make up for what you would have gotten out of three eggs or about two servings of beef. Supplemental Supplementation requires artificial or processed nutrients. Whether cause for concern or not, people have the right to choose not to consume artificial or processed nutrition. And then I want to address the, our moral responsibility to the animals that we have co-opted. These animals have entered into an unspoken pact with humanity, perhaps not of their own free will, but their free will is not established as even a factor. And as a matter of fact, ours is up for debate as well. They receive protection from the, element, from the elements by our barns, pens, and coops. They receive food without having to compete for it with other creatures, without having to live in fear of predators, protection for an assured percentage of their young. They receive what is essentially a guaranteed one-way ticket to the future. They have hitched their evolutionary wagons to ours as we march forward through time. For thousands of years, they have used us as their means of survival. They are ill-equipped to survive in the wild at this point. Ending our husbandry guarantees their extinction. I have heard it proposed that we may set up sanctuaries for them, but this is untenable. We then put ourselves in a situation where we have to take on all responsibility for them, but receive nothing in return. And this lack of reciprocity will invariably lead to neglect of said duties and eventually still result in the extinction of these creatures. We have invasive species management. Uh, goats, hogs, deer, many animals are invasive species. They are unfettered reproduction and insatiable appetites devastate ecosystems. If not farmed, they will still need to be slaughtered. That puts us in a position of murderers. How cruel to relegate our barnyard pals to the dog-eat-dog -dog toil of the suffering of the wild and then starve and then still have to kill them. But their bodies will go to, but their bodies will go to waste or feed the bugs or increase their numbers overall. If we must kill, better to kill and eat than just kill, if you agree. Uh, I'll skip that. Um, yeah, I think I'll skip that one too. Uh, we have evidence which suggests that plants think, feel, count, and communicate. There is evidence that they utilize fungal fibers like an internet. They cry at frequencies imperceptible to animals. These creatures live for thousands and thousands of years, growing into colonies as large as nations. It is our animal bias, our metabolic rate, our molecular clocks, which, pre which prejudice us against empathizing with their experience. They are our evolutionary cousins too, and their lives are valuable too. There is no justification for placing the suffering of animals arbitrarily above the suffering of plants. It is open speciesism. We are choosing to empathize with creatures based on their similarity to ourselves. And if we accept this spectral paradigm of worthiness, by what logic do we now draw the line of animals? If this, I find this aspect of the philosophy to be a little bit incoherent. 
if we cannot justify some line, how do we survive? And then how do we serve our utility to the life forms that benefit from our existence? This puts us in a self-destructive logical spiral. We paralyze ourselves and cannot justify any consumption whatsoever. Indeed, there are some that take this stance, but my moral framework is based on the common fact of all life, seeking survival perpetually. I think that we do need to alter our practices dramatically. Animals used by humans must allow these animals we must allow these animals to use us as well. We must provide for them a lifestyle of comfort and peace. They must be free of all suffering and given the opportunity to advance and determine their own fate. I am in favor of requiring the meat to be, meat to be restricted to animals who have reached a species specific age indicating that they've lived a full life. They, that they be euthanized painlessly and only then consumed. We must end our consumption of veal and young animals entirely. We could transition to a post-animal commodity system where meat can only be obtained by husbandry or hunting, thus ending corporate capitalist practices. And I just want to address the question that you had asked me at the beginning, and then I'll go ahead and be done with my opening. Uh, you wanted me to name the trait, right? Yeah, uh, I'd like you to. Each animal is a member of a species community, and that community has a certain utility to our goals of survival. Members of the human race have a utility that is to that goal as well, regardless of their specific situation and abilities. Because there are members of our species that will benefit, <clears throat> excuse me, one second. Because they are members of our species, that which benefits them helps them to thrive, teaches us to help each other thrive. If you could find a totally kinless human with no intellectual capacity and a violent murderous tendency, it is still immoral to murder and eat that person because his utility to our goal is not served. His example serves as an opportunity for all scientific disciplines to uncover facts about how they are and why they are the way they are, which will provide us with invaluable insight into the mechanisms which resulted in that situation. This benefits all of us, especially those that, especially those of our future selves who will one day have a family member in a similar situation. This is what I call fourth dimensional thinking. And there I yield my time. Thank you very much. We'll jump right into the open convo. Floor is yours, guys. Okay. Um, so I listed off some of the um, some of the arguments you made. So let's just go through them one by one. So you mentioned disutility. So there are um, activities that we have that don't necessarily have any sort of positive utility, uh, but they give us some sort of mental break, some sort of uh, enjoyment that allows us to be more productive productive, like watching movies, playing video games, that sort of thing. Okay, so why does uh, slitting open an animal and then eating, like cutting it open into pieces and eating its flesh, how does that fall under that category? Like, couldn't you say that uh, I could get that same sort of positive utility out of murdering a person if I was like a, a sadistic psychopath? The, the killing has to be in line with the eating for nutritional value. And I agree that the slitting of the throat, the pain and any suffering entailing that is immoral and should never be done. And I would even agree that we perhaps should not kill animals until they've reached a certain age where it is more moral to kill them. But I don't find, the thing is they're not people. And because they are not people, they have a different utility to us. Same with bacteria. It's, it's, if you say that it's not okay to mess with the genetics of an animal, then why is it okay to mess with the genetics of a bacteria 
to make the vitamin B12 that we need to supplement when we can't get enough of it for meat eating. Okay, wait, you're, you're jumping from like, you're combining all sorts of different topics. So I'm just asking a, a very simple question. Like you're talking about disutility and uh, I, I don't know if that's a proper term because I do think there is a utility in just personal enjoyment. You don't necessarily have to build something that will better the human race. Like I think just having some leisure time to enjoy yourself, there is utility to that. But um, how does like violently murdering another creature when you don't have to, how would that possibly fit into that category of, oh, I'm just doing it for enjoyment. Like it uh, lets me unwind. Like, couldn't I also use that same excuse to murder a human being? Like, uh, okay, I'm a sadistic psychopath. And uh, yeah, I just wa I saw some girl down the street and thought it'd be fun to like rip her guts open. And but there and are other principles corpse. that conflict with that. <laughs> Okay, like, that's what? my point. There, other principles conflict with that. The fact that you create an environment where people around you have to now fear for their lives, have to fear for being eaten and every and whatnot, that just decreases the probability of our entire survival in general. Okay, well, uh, okay, well, cool. I can find conflicts with this idea that we should kill and eat animals uh, because for leisure, like it conflicts with other uh, principles you mentioned. Uh, you mentioned health. Uh, it seems that you, for the most part, agree that vegan veganism has health benefits. On average, they tend to have lower risk of disease and live longer. So I could say, all right, well, if we, instead of killing and eating animals, uh, we switch to eating, I don't know, Beyond Burgers or something, um, that would give us the same sort of, you know, mouth pleasure, you know, that sort of leisure activity, while not being as bad for our health. Um, I could also mention, uh, what, over 2 million people die per year due to zoonotic diseases. So um, things like pandemic infections, like influenza, coronavirus, um, Ebola, things like that, uh, those are transferred from animals to humans. And in many of those circumstances, that's due to the food system. So we keep animals in these tight, confined sheds. Uh, they're in close contact with one another. And in many cases, they're actually in close contact with other animals, which is how influenza started in the first place. Uh, influenza originated from aquatic uh, birds or semi-aquatic birds, so basically geese. And uh, the influenza virus would spread through the water. A goose would poop in the water, another goose would come by, and then it would uh, infect that animal through water transfer. Well, what ended up happening was, People ended up domesticating geese, and these they put these geese next to chickens. So now that the virus doesn't have an easy transmission pathway for, uh, through water, now it has to transmit through air, and the best way to do that is to inf infect your lungs. So now we have this deadly uh, virus that kills hundreds of thousands of people every year, and there's, uh, there's more strains of influenza popping up due to us breeding these animals. So, okay, you wanna have Popeye's chicken because you think it's, uh, I don't know, some sort of leisure activity helps you unwind, makes you more productive. Uh, I would be like against Popeye's chicken. I would be well, sure. totally for the shutting down of all fast food that has anything to do with meat, sure. Uh, okay, well, I, I, anyway. I'm, I'm, let me be specific. I don't want the husbandry that we have today at all whatsoever. All the practices from the ground up can be totally just trashed, if you ask me. Just throw it all away. Okay, well, you regardless, want to, you want to talk about the actual act of eating the meat. That is what I'm trying to defend here, because we are animals. And like you said, if animal rights are hum human rights or animal rights, is that what you said? Okay, I, I, I said it's a logical extension of human rights. Right, right. So that means that animal rights are human rights as well. We are animals. We have the same rights as other animals. And if you can, can you name a trait no, of that's... a lion? 
Can you can you name the trait of the lion that allows you to tell the lion not to eat meat? Okay, well, that name a trait. Well, I'm not telling a lion that it can't eat meat. Aren't you? No. I I okay. So like again, you're kind of. This goes one way. Animal rights are a logical extension of human rights. I, I don't see why. Right. You, you actually mentioned this. Well, wait, you actually mentioned this, and this is a bit of an issue that I should have brought up. Uh, in your statement, in your opening statement, you said vegans believe that animals are on the same level of, of humans. I don't believe that. Uh, I don't Moral. think they should have the same rights. Uh, I don't even know. I wouldn't even say they're as valuable or worthy or whatever word you want to call it. Um, okay. I think we should have different rights, but I think some of these rights like the right to live um, should be granted to animals. But I, I, I'm not gonna hold animals to the same moral standards and I'm not gonna give animals the same exact rights as human beings, at least not all of them. But- um, Would you say that I have the right to sell my right arm for food? If I yeah, sure, to. if you wanted to. Okay. Okay, and um, anyway, okay, anyway, uh, I, I still see an issue with this idea of disutility benefit uh that was the the concept you created uh because okay um even if that is the case i don't see how that wouldn't end up contradicting some of your other values like uh goddamn fly like with nutrition with public health um just this principle that you even have to brutally murder an animal regardless of how we uh tackle animal husbandry uh why do we need to do that for uh, some sort of personal pleasure. I mean, uh, again, we don't do it for pleasure. We do it for food and we do it because we've already made a pact with their ancestors. Well, no, no, no. You mentioned disutility. So you're using that disutility yes. concept, like just personal pleasure as an argument to murder an animal. So you're saying just because you personally get pleasure from something that makes you like, that makes it okay to commit murder. No, the, the, the disutility is specifically there to take our minds off the idea that we have to be utilitarian in every sense, that we have to maximize the absolute efficiency, because that is a great argument that I've heard made by vegans, that if we don't maximize utility, that global warming will take over the world and we'll all be dead and blah, blah, blah. And I, I'm, I'm totally against, uh, you know, I, I uh, what am I trying to say? I believe, in, uh, Climate change is real, just so anybody doesn't get confused. Okay, I'm. Um, so why don't you? Ex okay, so what you're saying is disutility. You're arguing that we shouldn't try to absolutely maximize utility to the greatest possible extent because that would end up creating more harm than good. Yes, that myopic view of utility uh, to the maximum okay, possible cool. level is Okay, dangerous. well, that's not what I'm arguing, so I don't see how that's even relevant or why you'd bring that up. Like, all well, I'm saying is, well, sure, like, okay, well, why do we have to murder animals when I think it's pretty clear that it creates overall a more negative utility than positive? The way that we do it now, sure. But it, it made uh, plenty of well, opportunities for us as well. what do you mean the way we well. do it now? The way that we farm animals in, like you were talking about with the closed quarters, the virus spreading, the cruelty, slitting of the throats, et cetera. It's just Okay, well, you have to slit the cruel. throats open regardless of how the, how the hell you raise them. Just because they're out in an open field and get to enjoy life, you still have to slit their throat, throat open. Do you? I don't know that. Yeah. Well, well, how do you make meat? I'm not a butcher. Okay, well, you have to slit their... Like, how does like raising an animal inside a tiny confined space versus raising it out in a field. 
How does that change the way you kill them? Do they have to be, when you're saying slit their throats, you mean at any point, but they ha- do they have to be conscious for this? Okay, no, you, you realize even the stunning practices aren't even humane. Why is that? Okay, well, humane stunning, there's three, I, uh, there's three ways of humane stunning that I know of that like that we, here in the US anyway, and in Canada, um, there's humane, you have to stun an animal before you kill it. And as far as I know, there's just three, three ways. Uh, you can use captive bolt gun, uh, which mm-hmm. uh, basically fires a pin into their head and it has like a ball on the end. And uh, that doesn't actually kill it. Um, it's supposed to stun it so it's not conscious. That doesn't always work, uh, especially with larger animals like cows. Uh, sometimes it doesn't go in all the way. Sometimes their adrenaline is too high and it just puts a hole in their head. Um, quite often that happens. Uh, there's also electricity. So if you've ever talked to anyone who has been electrified to death, it is horrifically painful. There was actually a guy who was on the electric uh, chair three times. It was a black guy who was wrongfully committed of a crime. It was like during, like the cops just accused him of this because they were racist. He was put on the electric chair three times and uh, the two times he was on the chair, he said it hurt like hell. They were just unsuccessful executions. Uh, so electrocuting these animals to the point where they're just stunned, they, they're like incapacitated, horrifically painful, and there's gassing. So they gas them with CO2, basically they suffocate to death. And there's actually research on how painful this is for pigs. Um, I, and there's a slaughterhouse right by me uh, where they use gas chambers to stun these animals. Uh, as so, far as I know, CO2 as a death is pretty painless for humans. No, at least. horrifically painful. So um, well, I'll have to see that. I'd be good to see. Okay, sure. Uh, okay, well, okay, well, there's actually a video on YouTube of um, these gas chambers for pigs. So what they did, they set up an experiment. They put the the pig in the CO2 gas chamber, uh, slowly suffocated, became incapacitated to the point where it was unconscious. So then uh, they tried to see if the pig could remember the incident. Uh, it would not return to that room where uh, it was gassed, even when it was starved for three days. They wouldn't feed it any food for three days. They put the food in that area where it was gassed, would not return there for three whole days because it remembered how horrifically painful it was. And until it was actually starving and thought that it would die, it decided to return to that chamber. So no, all of these methods are horrifically painful. And uh, I, I'd say like the best case scenario, probably the least painful, uh, the least painful one is the captive bolt gun, but again, uh, very frequently fails. Well, that's very unfortunate. And I, I can't okay, defend so that. Why would you do it? I, I wouldn't do that. Okay, well, sure. dude. Well, if, dude. Even uh, if that's like, the way it has to be, then sure. Buck, okay, fuck it well, if you well, have dude. to cause pain and suffering like that, then sure, you're well, absolutely right. Well, if there's dude. any other way to do it, then that's what we need to do. Okay, well, dude. Let's say there was some way to do it where it was absolutely painless. Well, why the hell would you do it? Would you say the Holocaust wasn't so bad because Hitler found some sort of weird, unique way to kill people en masse that was completely painless? Would you, well, would I thought, we weren't, I thought we weren't going to equivocate yeah, people with animals. Morally. Okay, well, I'm not equivocating. I'm just, I'm using an analogy to point out that does it really matter even how they die? Would you think Hitler was a better person? Was Well, no, listen, would you think Hitler, would you think better of Hitler if he had come up with some sort of method to kill the Jews that was completely and utterly painless? Marginally. 
maybe. <laughs> really? Marginally. I mean, maybe the slightest bit. I mean, it's like the difference between uh, a guy who murders 20 people versus 10. You, you think a little bit worse of the guy who murdered 20 people. Okay, so not a big difference then. Not a big so difference, then, no. So then you'd agree that it's horrible regardless. I agree that there's a lot of horror going on. Totally. Okay, well, well, you said there's a very minor difference between killing so, uh, something what, like with uh, when a lot of suffering, suffering is involved versus but no But that's suffering. with people. Now we have to go back to the animals. Okay, and now well, I don't why feel is it anymore. different in the animal context? Because they don't feel and think the way we do. Okay, why do they have to feel and think the way we do? You recognize that they're sentient, right? And they can feel pain, suffering, they want to live? Sure, and then that's what... They're sentient, sure, to some degree. But there has to be a line somewhere. To some line, degree? What do you mean by that? And it's going to be arbitrary no matter what. If you draw the line of animals, then that's still arbitrary. So why do we draw there? Well, because they're sentient. And I wouldn't say that's arbitrary. How do you know that, how do you know that uh, Pando isn't sentient? A what? Pando. The, the, long, the colony of uh, trees that's in, I think, New Zealand or something. Somebody can link it. Uh, right. It's... 10,000, 100,000 years old or something like that. It's the biggest uh, single organism on the planet. How do you know that that isn't sentient? Because it doesn't have a brain or nervous system. So how do, do you, you know, know that brains and nervous systems are required for sentience? Okay do, you, okay, do you have any evidence that brains and nervous systems are not required for sentience? Do you even know what sentience is? I, I, have, I have evidence that neurological function is mimicked by plants. Okay, but do you understand what sentience is? I understand that sentience is an emergent property of a network. Okay, do you know what sentience is? Yes, Define it. I just said it. An emergent property of a network. No, sentience is the ability to feel. It's the ability to have a subjective experience. Then plants have that. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, where's I, the have a bibliography that I've okay, sent so to James. Okay, so wait, wait, wait. There are several links that you can check out. Is the internet itself sentient? Eventually it will be for sure. Okay, look, you, from what we understand of sentience, you have to have some sort of We don't understand central, sentience. No, you have, okay, from what we understand we of don't sentience understand right it. now, you have to have some sort of central area that processes information that gives you the ability to actually have a subjective experience. Where is the evidence that plants have that ability to have a subjective experience? Just if you because check information- out the links, you will check, you will see. Just because you have, they just can because count, they can feel, they cry, they literally cry. Okay, uh, is my okay? So my computer just gave me a virus alert. Is my computer crying? No. Okay, why? Because your computer is just one node. It's like is a neuron crying. No, a neuron is, can't cry, but how, a neuron is part of a brain. Okay, wait, how are, how are you drawing this? Okay, for one thing, I, I don't understand how you're comparing a computer to a neuron, but somehow- it's one fungi... node of the network. Okay, so if one computer communicated to another computer that there's a virus on this other computer, is that the computer crying? That is the network signaling negative feedback. Okay, I, and- An analogy do... is breaking down, but sure, to a certain degree. Okay, but how, how, does this, how does this translate to your idea that just because there's information being transferred, that means sentience? I, I'm not prepared to quote the papers and the science okay, themselves. Okay, why don't you show us the papers where it suggests that plants are sentient? 
I'm, I'm telling like a, you that there is clear evidence that plants have a subjective okay, show experience. me one single show me one single paper um, that actually makes the statement that this is evidence that plants uh have sentience all right well, we'll we'll table that for the next time where i'll send it to you or something like that i would like to see the paper uh you know i don't even remember anymore it's okay let's go on okay um so okay let's just try to finish this disutility idea um if you can agree that it is horrible to kill an animal in any way no i don't agree to that i, I, oh, do, you I don't. there okay, are some so, ways to kill an animal i don't agree that it's horrible to ways? kill a person okay wait you don't agree that it's horrible to kill a person in certain ways no we do have to kill people sometimes it happens sure okay you're talking i'm assuming you're talking about things like mercy killing well, there's physician-assisted suicide. Yeah, mercy there's killing. There's war and all yeah, these other killing. things. Okay, mercy killing, self-defense. We're talking about you wanting to eat a burger. Uh, survival situations. That's not killing a survival humans. situation. Sure, it's not. Okay, so then why would you bring that up? I'm okay, saying that okay, look, in certain contexts, okay, it is okay this, to kill Okay, well, let's humans. put this into context. Let's put this into context. You are looking for dinner, you're going to the grocery store, you're choosing a bunch of products that you want to have for dinner. You could either choose uh, a pack of meat burgers or you could choose a pack of Beyond Burgers. So what makes it morally acceptable to choose to buy the pack of meat burgers where you're supporting an animal, uh, you're supporting a business that kills animals for no reason since you already have this plant-based option. And let's just assume- animals are going to be killed for even worse reasons if you don't. What do you mean for even worse reasons if you don't? There's the unnecessary suffering of the wild. There is the okay, inability but, of these animals to survive without husbandry. Okay, cool. So uh, let's say let's say we had a crystal ball and I could show you that in uh, two years, you're gonna die a horrible, horrible death in a fire and you're gonna suffer for, I don't know, uh, an hour where you get horribly burned and you're somebody's going to try to save you, but eventually you lost so much skin, you just die slowly. Uh, would it be okay for me to murder you? If you right don't now? want to be murdered, yeah. No. Okay, so uh, how is it ethical for you to murder the cow? Just because it could theoretically die a horrible, uh, worse death in the future. That's the deal that we've made. We're guaranteeing it a lifestyle. Now, if you tell me okay, that you're going to kill a me a year from now, halfway through, and between now and then, you're going to pay for everything that I need and take care of all my debt and take care of my family when I die, then I might definitely take that. Okay, off. so is slavery acceptable too? That's what slave owners promised their slaves. I have to think about that for a second. Okay, you realize. So, hold on, let me think British... about what you're saying. Let me think about what you're saying. I don't want to lie and I don't want to give a dishonest answer. Okay, well, let me just talk while you're thinking. I can just I can just talk. Let me recite it out loud first. So you're saying that a that this is analogous to a slave situation because the animal doesn't want to be Okay, so okay, so the argument you're making is that you're doing it a favor because you're taking care of all, all of its basic needs, uh, perhaps giving it a better life than it otherwise would have, and preventing it from dying a worse death than it otherwise would, like in the wild, let's say. So that would justify slavery. Um, during the uh, slave trade, uh, the British first initiated the slave trade. 
um, what they argued was these people from Africa, they are constantly, you know, very frequently engaged in things like tribal warfare. Uh, the technology that they had available to them was pretty low. Uh, you know, they were basically living a very tribal lifestyle and uh, they struggled to get things like food, resources, water, things like that. So capturing them, enslaving them, giving them the benefits of modern technology, uh, food, shelter, water, all of their basic needs, and uh, getting them away from things like tribal warfare, they were doing them a favor. So are you saying in that sort of situation, it's okay for uh, humans to uh, enslave other human beings because of this principle that, oh, I'm doing it a favor because I'm uh, improving some aspects of their lifestyle? No, the human beings being a member of our own species require a different consideration. They require that we consider that their benefits are our own. We have to treat them as Why ourselves because they have the same uh, makeup, the same uh, template. Whatever applies to them can apply to us and give us a leg up. Okay, well, why is that? Why is what? Why is it uh, beneficial to, to like, help your yeah, fellow man? Yeah. Uh, if you're talking about some people who live in a separate country in Africa, like, what do you mean? When you benefit your fellow man, it benefits you. Ultimately. Well, it's not like it's sense. not a fellow man. What do you mean? How does that Just because you don't me? recognize it to be a fellow man does not okay, mean it is. Well, look, I'm a rich British dude, and uh, there's these people in Africa that are like 100 miles away. Uh, yeah, more than that. they mistook these people as animals. They were wrong. Okay, well, wait. How does me benefiting black, black? How does benefiting black people benefit me if I'm some rich British dude? You know look how many people got? Well, look how many people got rich if, off if, of slavery. Can you imagine how much better this world would be right now if those rich black, those rich British dudes had thought, "Damn, if we had helped these black people instead of enslaved them, uh, our children might be able to live without being called cracker and whatnot." Uh, that is a really fucking bizarre example. Um, look, there are plenty of people who benefited off of slavery. Like, what the hell are you talking about? They, they benefit in the short term, sure. They may gain a lot of money. They may make themselves a, a great fortune. But they still have children that have to go forward through time and then have to live in the world that they were created by their parents. And that is how you've hurt yourself. Your goal okay, is to so make a better world for your children. Okay, so you're saying social consequence is what makes it morally wrong to commit slavery. Yes, ultimate social. Okay, well, that's only if there ever happens to be. Okay, well, no, that's only if there ever happens to be a social consequence. So let's sure. just say there were, there were, there would be no social consequence. That that would be okay to do, to commit slavery. You're saying if we lived in a universe where nobody ever thinks that slavery is wrong in all of human history is slavery okay there was over a 300 year period where for the most part majority of people thought slavery was okay so for those people slavery was okay because vast majority of people didn't have any issue with it and had no social consequence for those 300 years everybody alive thought it was okay except for the abolitionists. so then it was okay right but you're no because you, people did think it was not okay it was uh, it was told very to few people Enough. And there was if, no if even social one. consequence. If there's one person saying, okay, so then, then it's wrong for you to eat meat known. because there's then it's wrong for you to eat meat because I disagree with you. What are you talking about? Hmm. I may have backed myself into a corner here. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, yeah, so like I'll uh, think social... about that, man. I mean, like I said, I applaud veganism for a lot of things, and I'll think about that, and maybe I'll have a backup, uh, another answer for you. Okay, because sure. honestly, I you do have a great system, and I I can't. It's very. Let me just tell everybody, like it was very difficult to even put together this uh this diatribe I have because veganism it addresses a lot of issues with our society. I do think though that it is a little bit myopic i think that you're not really taking a good look at the fourth dimensional context of where these animals really stand and i think that you you're kind of digging your heels in because you're on that side you're on a team now and you're not allowing yourself to really entertain the possibility that maybe there's an aspect of this that also needs to be addressed okay well and that aspect i think is their ultimate survival if there's any chance that these animals go extinct because we stop eating them then that is wrong Okay, uh, so let's say let's say there was an alien species that was farming human beings, and we were being treated the exact same way as these animals. We were being forcibly bred. Um, name all the abuses that go on in the animal agriculture industry. Then when we're killed, uh, we're either electrocuted until we're made unconscious. Uh, there's like a bolt gun shot into our head, uh, or we're suffocated to death, and then our throats are slit open. And uh, this process goes on indefinitely. Uh, would you want hum uh, the human race to live that sort of life? No, no, definitely not. Okay, cool. So this who is, the hell cares? Let, let me tell you what I think. When one member of any species is able to petition for rights, then that automatically should be bestowed upon all members of that species. Petition for rights. Yes, if a cat can walk up to you and say, I don't want to be treated like a pet, then you immediately should release all cats from bondage. Okay, pethood, what do you, okay, what do you mean by that? What would a creature have to do to petition not to be treated in a particular way? Sp say the words. Write say the, the words. words. Okay, so language is required. Yes. So like actual language? Okay, so somebody who's mentally disabled or... Um, there are actually feral children who are unable to speak and can never speak because they're never um, spoken to as children. Is it okay to enslave them because they can't say, I don't want to be enslaved? It would be, except for the fact that your duty is to maximize the utility of our species. And that requires you learning what happened to these children and trying to make them better so that you know how to do it the next time. Okay, well, you, they can't protest. They can't speak. It doesn't matter. They are still members of our community automatically. Okay, let's, okay. Um, why are they automatically members of our community? Because they came from human beings, our lineage, our joined lineage. Okay, so uh, let's just say, hypothetically, you found a feral child who couldn't speak, and uh, you were trying to raise it, trying to better it, and studying it. And then you, it had some sort of health problem. You test, you run a bunch, ran a bunch of health tests. Turns out it's not actually a human being. It has some sort of weird chromosome that's alien. Uh, would it be okay to enslave it then? Well, I think you already have, but uh, no. Okay. Well, and then again, what do you it's mean? because of the possible utility. This is a unique, one of a kind creature and you want to turn it into a, a slave or a, a food. That's just, imagine if uh, you found an alien that was uh, a plant, right? An alien plant. Would you make a tofu burger out of it? I, I don't see how that's a moral issue. If you, if a meteorite falls in your front yard tomorrow and there's a plant growing on it, are you going to eat it? 
No, just because I have a fascination with studying it, but I don't see how that's a moral issue. You don't think that it would be immoral for you to rob the rest of us of the information in that plant's DNA? No. Well, I disagree. Why, like, why is that even a moral issue? Like, there's positive utility that could be gotten from um, studying the plant, but that doesn't make it immoral to just eat the plant. Okay, let me ask you this. If you cured uh, all cancers in, in your basement th tonight, would it be immoral for you to never tell anybody about it? Um, no, I, I don't, I wouldn't say that's immoral. I would just say that it doesn't generate positive utility. It's neutral. So your theory of morality doesn't require proactive action. Okay, so should you be forced to study cancer because there's uh, some sort of positive utility that could be brought from you finding a cure for cancer? I mean, hypothetically, maybe if you studied cancer, you'd find a cure. Should you be morally responsible for killing, like, I don't know how many millions or billions of people because you didn't bother looking for a cure for cancer? I think that it is part of the disutility idea of having the liberty to choose what you want to do, but I do think that encouraging people in mass to become scientifically uh, minded to study uh, diseases and whatnot, that would be beneficial to all of us. Okay, well, you're, you're, this is a totally different concept. Like, on one hand, you're arguing that you should be compelled to do something good, and you're saying by not doing so, you're doing something bad. Whereas I'm arguing it's neutral. Not compelled. Then... You're compelled by your own moral moral framework. Whatever you believe is good and bad, that's what compels you. If if I tell you what I think is good for you to do, that doesn't compel you to do anything, right? You're not, you're not going to care what I say unless I say something that's going to strike a nerve to you, right? I can't even. We trailed off a little bit. I, I where were we? What were we talking about again? It was James. Um, help us out. No, it was um, <laughs> species extinction. That that was something we were talking about. <clears throat> was that the argument nope. you were making like at the beginning that we yeah, have to... my argument is that if we if there is a chance that these animals go extinct because we're not eating them then it's immoral not to eat them so it's immoral so it's a moral good to murder things just so that the species can continue existing if the uh, if the only other option is extinction yes Okay, and you're, you'd be against aliens just doing the same sort of system to human beings. You'd prefer extinction over that. It's obvious that that wouldn't be the only option for us. Okay, well, no, let's say in a hypothetical, you can either choose to be, uh, choose to have the human race be extincted. Uh, I don't know if that's a word. Or you could, um, or you could have the aliens just perpetually murdering us in a never ending Holocaust, which would you prefer? Okay, if, let's say that I have a crystal ball that tells me in five years, 100% sure humanity is going extinct completely, but we can take slavery from these aliens. I'm going to take the slavery. Okay, no, you're, you're changing the hypothetical. So I'm asking you, if we were in a similar situation as these animals, and we were under the system of a perpetual, never-ending holocaust, like these animals are, would you take that over extinction? Yes. Okay. I think that's a little insane. Uh, why would you even bother? Like, what, what's, 
like what is because the benefit the, the, of the potential these... of us to still go on and one day overcome that situation is okay well still suppose there. you never well let's say you never would especially in the case of these animals apparently uh the only way that they could ever uh break out of the bonds of like slavery is to learn language which obviously isn't going to freaking happen why not uh because we are selectively breeding these animals how the hell would they ever parrots learn language? are parrots can speak okay no they don't they can't learn language language is a specific thing they can and learn words. So, so when gorillas language. sign language, that's not language? That's not language. They can learn words. They can't uh, speak sentences. They can understand sure what certain about things that? are. They can apply words. Yep. And there is this has been extensively studied in feral children who have not learned language. Uh, they can understand words. I, I can't remember the, the, the girl, but she was discovered on like in some shitty house. I think she was like 13 or something when they found her. Uh, her parents like so badly abused her that they never spoke to her. She never learned how to speak. They could never teach her language. What they could do is teach her words and she could make word associations. Like she could know what water is. She can understand what food is. And if she was hungry, she could, she could say food or burger or something like that. But language so, is something else. It, what it's is not it just I'm, I'm very confused then. What are, we, what are we calling language? What is your definition? Um, let me actually look up a concise definition of language because I feel like the ability to communicate information of, so is language. Method of human communication, either spoken or written, consisting of the use of words in a structured and conventional way. So that's so that's the um, that's the difference. It has a structure to it. You're able to communicate across uh, ideas, concepts that aren't just single words uh all animals have an ability to communicate like dogs bark uh you wouldn't consider that a language so language is a very specific thing where there's a structure to uh to what you're saying well i think if we use that definition then well so let's say that i grant you that where are we then like i'm granting you that animals don't have a language what, 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 are, we, what are we saying here i'm saying Animals, at least most animals that we know of, don't have language. Um, I think it's being debated right now whether or not uh, certain whales and uh, I think squid might actually have a very primitive language, but most animals like chickens, cows, uh, pigs, they don't have language. They can make word associations, like you can train a pig to know what come or stay or sit is. Uh, is there any population of humans that never? I mean, we're talking about one specific human being, right? Is there a population of human? Is there a population of humans that don't have language? Yeah. Um, of any kind? I don't know about a population, but there are single people who have never been taught language as children. Uh, again, they can make word associations; they can understand what words are, but they can't actually speak like a language. They can't. Uh, they don't have these communication skills where. Uh, where words are aligned in a functional way. Well, the, they still have the similar set of chromosomes to us, and that gives them this place of human, human, which means they have a utility of showing us a human experience as an example. And human experience examples are beneficial to us no matter what. So we cannot allow, I don't agree okay. that killing any human is moral. Okay, so you're saying so now it's not language that makes it an issue, it's chromosomes. 
no, for the animals, it's language. For humans, it's the not the chromosomes, just the fact that they're similar enough to us that their experience can translate to us. When an animal crosses that threshold, when their experience can be of beneficial of benefit to us in the long term, then they are no longer just animals. They are people. Okay, do you think uh, if you were to skin a dog alive and skin a human alive that their experiences would be all that different? No. Okay, uh, what about if you were but to skin a dog? who skins any or... animals alive? Plenty of people. It happens all the fucking time. Like, fur well, industry? Just sick. <laughs> sick. I've actually seen some animals get skinned alive. Um, there was riding Regency meat packers. Uh, it's a slaughterhouse in Toronto. They were recently shut down for health violations. And um, some of the cows... Uh, that they killed, they would actually slice their throats open, but uh, they would still be conscious and they'd start uh, cutting their skin off while they're still- well, uh, I, I want nothing to do with defending that. Okay, What's cool. Um, okay, so uh, I'm still having an issue with this idea that we should prevent animals from going extinct uh, because it's better to perpetually murder them in a ne never ending Holocaust. Yes. Okay, and you would be in favor of doing that for human beings, too. I would be in favor of doing that for human beings, given the situation in which extinction is guaranteed. Okay. Um, you know what, if you're willing to bite the bullet on that, like, I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, so you're basically saying that as long as Hitler were uh, committing a humane Holocaust where the Jews would feel absolutely no pain. And that would be the only way to keep the Jewish race alive, only alive, only we're applying this to human beings. You'd be in favor of that? It's literally a Holocaust. It yeah, just I, never I, ends. Yeah, I get it. So I you'd be I'm in favor right, of yeah. a never ending Holocaust for human beings if it meant they would never go extinct. Well, not only if it meant it, but also if it was guaranteed the other way. I mean, there's a little nuance there, but yes. What do you mean guaranteed the other way? I mean, animals that have a chance to, to make their own way, to find perpetual survival of their own, once they have that potential, they're no longer animals. They're people. You're, wait, you're saying wild animals are people? No, I'm saying if, if a sentient of our sentience, right, a level of our sentience, our intelligence, if that kind of creature arises in the wild or in the domesticated area, then those animals cannot be treated as animals anymore. They have to be treated like people. Okay, I think this, uh, I think this is a good segue into another name the trait discussion. Uh, what about human beings who are mentally disabled and have the same intellectual capacity of a cow or a chicken or a pig? Their experience and the improvement of their experience improves the experience of the rest of us. How is that so? If it's like the, the rising tide, uh, the tide raises all boats. You've heard that before? No. No. Whatever is good, whatever improves the experience of any human being can be applied to other human beings, whether now or in the future. If you slaughter these people because they have a disability now, then you're cutting off your chance to learn how to prevent disability or how to make disability better That's for the true. people who don't want their better. 
I'm sorry, that's what? not true at all. Um, in fact, uh, slaughtering these people and using them for medical research could actually make it so you can find a cure easier. Easier, but then at what cost? You've now created a social situation that causes unrest. Okay, well now you're now you're using a social situation. Okay, well let's assume that there was no social issue and we're living in Nazi Germany where it was. But that's the point. You can't just assume acceptable. that. Well, no, I'm I'm not assuming that. I'm giving you a hypothetical and we're testing these moral ideas you have. So let's say. But we're this happened in, in real Germany. life, and we can look at the real result. Wait, wait, wait. Of it. We, let's say we're living in Nazi Germany and nobody had any issue with uh, using some sort of mentally disabled person for medical research and killing them. Would that make it okay to kill a mentally disabled person for medical reasons? If research? we lived in a universe where nobody is ever going to have a problem with it, then fine. Okay. Oh, okay, well, wait. Now, okay, so now you're saying if even one person protests, it's wrong? No, I am saying that now, in this time, we now recognize how dangerous that has been, how devastating that was to our, co our course, and now we still have to pay the price for it. Pay what price? The disunity. What do you mean disunity? The fact that human beings are incapable of coming together and finding real solutions because of all the animosity for the past. I, I don't understand how murdering somebody who has Down syndrome and conducting some sort of medical experiment on them to figure out a way to, pr to prevent that disease would somehow cause like some sort of social issue or disunity in the future. In the same way, that the United States government and its conduct conducting of human experiments on soldiers, on the Tuskegee Airmen, for example, all those things cause disunity now. Now we can't trust our government and now you have people who absolutely hate the government. We have a civil war brewing because of all these old sins. Okay, you're, you're using a different sort of example. How would murdering a mentally disabled person cause some sort of disunity in the future? When you murder any kind of human being, you are creating a situation in which other human beings feel threatened. Okay, and let's assume when we were living in a society where that wasn't the case. Why that would make it okay? That? Okay, why, well, why, for, as why? the hypothetical, I mean, I'm trying to I'm trying to <sighs> discover your moral principles. So let's say a hypothetical. Let's say there's a hypothetical where we were considering murdering a mentally disabled person either because we wanted to eat them or for medical research or for whatever purpose, uh, we can apply whatever positive utility to murdering a mentally disabled person. And let's say no one had a problem with it. Uh, would it be okay? Yeah. It would be. Yeah. Okay. How many people would have to disagree with it for it to be a problem? I don't know. <laughs> okay, this is uh, a little strange. <laughs> so I mean, we're, we're talking about a hypothetical universe that could never exist. I don't know how to be in it. It absolutely could exist. I don't know how to dive into this universe. It the, absolutely the could exist. Have you ever the, heard the of people uh, that really exist in real world are not going to stand for that? Nobody's going to be okay Spartans? with you murdering people with mental disabilities. Have you ever, ever heard of Spartans? Yeah. Yeah, they would murder children who were weak, sickly, slow, and they'd literally just throw them down a pit. And now we regard them as savages. No, not really. 
I think most people actually, if you ask them, do you, they, do you think they, they that kind of uh, highly... plants? Do you think that one day it's possible for plants to be proven sentient in any I, possible well, wait, future? Wait a second. Let's let's go. Let's retrace. I don't understand how that matters, whether or not we consider them savages today. The issue is that you believe. That's the whole point, man. That's my moral. That's the whole point of the thing. It's causing the eventuality of our species to be in a negative light. It's creating a situation in which we may go extinct in the future. That's why it's bad. How could we possibly go extinct in the future if we murder members of our species who can't even breed? I'm sorry, what was that? How could we possibly go extinct in the future if we murder members of our own species who can't even breed? They're unviable. Like these mentally disabled people will like never I have Like I said, offspring. we are creating a situation where humans cannot trust humans. Okay. We're uh, destroying the community. You have, if any action that destroys the community, the community of humanity will put us on the path to extinction. Okay, anything Not necessarily that destroys, doesn't matter, man. Anything that destroys a community will put us on the path to extinction. So uh, if somebody were to have a gay relationship in Saudi Arabia and that creates distrust in the community there, uh, that makes that's, it uh, that that's makes not the community homosexuality of immoral? No, that's not the community of humans. What did you want to say? Oh, I was I was just being sure that we could hear the rest of what you were saying, vegan gains, but we can uh it sounds like you were done. So go ahead, sorry, Cass. Oh. Okay, okay, well let's say let's say all humans, I'm sure at one point, a vast majority of human uh society thought uh homosexual homosexuality was bad. Okay, so and they were homosexuality, wrong. how were they wrong? It created uh issues within their community. There are plenty of epigenetic theories for why homosexuality improves our situation and helps us genetically well, to it, survive. That doesn't matter. You mentioned I'm not going to quote them. But. You mentioned distrust within the community is a problem. So if something creates distrust in a fourth dimensional context, in a fourth dimensional context. Yes, you're thinking so narrowly, man. Okay. Well, so. Wait, why? Okay, so let's let's go through this hypothetical. Um, you're saying they were wrong because there's some sort of genetic reason why homosexuality is a good thing. Yes, and the fact that now we realize that homosexuality does not hurt us in any kind of way, and that helps us as a people to come together. How does homosexuality help people come together? N I'm not speaking incorrectly. Um, it's not that homosexuality helps people come together. It's the fact that now that we recognize that we cannot discriminate against each other for these superficial aspects of our personality, that brings us together. That allows us to embrace all of us, all of each other. That helps us to embrace each other equally. The, the, when we embrace each other, when we help each other and cooperate, that is superior to competition. Not necessarily. Creating discrimination causes enemies. Well, there's a reason we discriminate. Uh, there's a very practical uh, evolutionary reason why we discriminate. Yeah, um, and they're valid in the situations in which they first arose, but now we have evolved past that. No, not really. Um, look, there are totally valid reasons and useful reasons to discriminate. 
Um, you see the sort of uh, discriminatory behavior when we see pandemic diseases. Um, you might be able to call some people uh, xenophobic when you, they don't want to allow immigration during a pandemic disease. Okay, but that's a good that sort of like that sort of discrimination is helpful. So like and look, um, I, I'm sure a lot of people can recognize certain people who come from certain places are far more likely to have a set of behaviors and beliefs that are not congruent with your own or, or are even generally harmful. So no, You've heard discrimination of... is a, a totally useful thing. Um, yes, totally. But now that we have the cognitive ability to actually dissect those um, discriminatory practices, we can see the parts of it that are actually useful. It is not helpful to discriminate against people because they're from China, but it is perfectly understandable why you'd want to discriminate against a wet market, right? Okay. And if that is very prevalent in a certain area, you might say a country that has wet markets we don't want to have trade with in international travel. That's not racist. That's not nationalist even. That's just protection. That's just reasonable. Okay, and um, what is the practical use of discriminating against animals in this sort of way where you should be able to murder a cow for a burger? The practical use of murdering a cow for... You're saying, okay, so you're saying, just like you're saying um, discrimination is useful in certain circumstances. What's the use of discriminating against animals in this sort of way? The use of discriminating against animals in this sort of way is that we have guaranteed them a ticket to the future. That's not, that's not beneficial for us. Yes, it is because, okay, so this is where you have to get even more deep into it. The fact is every single species on this planet makes unique proteins. And all of them could have potential uses. We don't know what no, lineages. Don't. What proteins? No, not all of them do. Not all of them do. No, of course. But you don't know what uses any specific species could have in the future to you. So it is unwise to allow any of them to go extinct if you can help it. Okay, this is probably the most ridiculous argument you've made yet. So you're saying well, what, that what there's argument a am I practical. Making? Well, wait, you're saying there's a practical utility to ensuring that these animals don't go extinct because yes. they make unique proteins that we could use in the future. What proteins? What do you mean? You don't know about finding cures for different diseases in different plants and animals? What do you mean? Uh, most of our diseases come from animals in the first place. Okay, but that doesn't mean that we don't ever find any kind of useful information in them. I don't, I'm not going like, to... I don't what? have any Give specific me an example. examples of that. Give I will find some I will probably find some. Okay, well, give me an example okay, of why for instance, we have to keep like the venom chickens. of uh, a spider being used as a, a cure for, I don't know, fucking... Okay, well, spiders aren't domesticated animals. Sure, but they are animals. They're not domesticated. So, so wait a minute, so now we, we have a line between domesticated and undomesticated animals? You're, you're saying that we have to keep farming animals to prevent them from going extinct. That was your we argument, don't know so what you're changing the topic. Benefit. We don't know what benefits cows may pose for us in the future. So we should keep infinitely holocausting them? We should keep them alive. Yeah, infinitely holocausting them, infinitely murdering them. Because you think eventually <laughs> they'll have some like sort it's... of unique property, possibly in the future, that will allow some sort of medical breakthrough. You're, you're telling me... Cows are the solution to some sort of amazing medical breakthrough that might be. Are you telling to me us? that that's impossible? Yes, 
that is well, ridiculous. What the hell opinion. could cows do? And I guess mine is an opinion too. I don't know. Maybe one day the the first cow that becomes sentient uh, cures all the other diseases. Who knows? Okay, well, let's say we should get rid of human rights and allow for us to uh, murder any humans we want and vivisect them because that might someday allow us to come up with some sort of amazing medical breakthrough. So should we get rid how. of human rights? I mean, okay, what do you mean you don't see how? So now you're using a double standard? I, I like, don't know are, what you're saying here. Like, you're saying that killing people can be beneficial? Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean... It absolutely could for medical defies. research. It absolutely could for medical research. Look, there are sure, things that Sure, but then once you've do. killed the subject, you can't do anything else with them. Well, guess what? There's more people. There's always more people. We keep breeding, it, so what do you mean? People will die anyways. You can use dead bodies. You don't have to kill them to get them No, dead. you then need once to experiment them, on live human beings. If you're going to do things like studies on the brain or studies on cancer, yeah. or studies on yeah, some sort of therapy, you subjects. need living subjects. Yeah. Yes, and it's a massive benefit to medical research to be able to experiment on human subjects. So I could argue that we should allow a, 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 like inhumane experimentation on human subjects because eventually it could potentially lead to a medical breakthrough that we wouldn't have otherwise discovered. And the amount of positive utility that generates would be greater than the amount of negative utility to come to that uh, sort of discovery. So is that out of the realms of possibility? Should we do it just because it could potentially happen in the future? No, you've bet you've totally disregarded the principle of liberty. Okay, um, why? Okay, so can you name the trait why humans deserve liberty and animals don't? Because they can ask for it. Because they can ask for it. Okay, mentally disabled people can't ask for it. But people can ask for it on the behalf of them. Okay, I can ask for it on the behalf of animals, so... Well, you have a right to ask for it. And we maybe should okay, grant so a lot of it. Okay, so you just contradicted yourself. Maybe we should grant a lot of those rights, but... You they have other utilities and other. Do, do you no, not because see you're that not. You just contradicted yourself. I see you just that said you keep if, trying if, to separate the principles you just and said, try to take them you in just a vacuum. Said, no principle exists in the said, vacuum. You just said that if someone can speak on the behalf of someone else for their liberty, that means they should be granted liberty. So I speak. Did, I think for we, liberty we covered this earlier. That when. Just want to be sure that we heard the the rest from Richard, and then I promise we'll come right back to you, Cass. In case you had, an, if you were still going, Richard. Yeah, sure. So you claimed that if you can, if the person or subject cannot speak for its own liberty, if someone else can speak for its liberty, therefore it deserves liberty. Well, okay. A member uh, of I its speak species. For the, why that? does it have to be a member of its species? We covered that earlier. No, we didn't. Okay, explain why it has to be a member of its species. Why are you in? Why are you even separating things at species? Like, I could say it has to be a member of its own race, or it Why has to be a member of its own Why are you separating things gender. at genus? I didn't. Yeah, you're saying that it's okay to murder and uh, make plants suffer, but it's not okay to do this to animals. You Why is that line? Do you know what a genus is? You, you realize that we have a different maybe genus I meant phylum. than other animals? Maybe I meant phylum, or maybe I meant kingdom. I'm not sure. Go ahead. Well, because plants aren't sentient, you haven't provided any evidence that plants are sentient. I have the link in the description. You can look at it. We're, okay, in the description of this... Stream? Yeah, I had not updated it yet, so sorry about that. I do have your personal links, but let me put your uh, bibliography. It's a bibliography. You can scroll down. There are these presentations from all these scientists showing all of these different uh, sentient animals. Does okay? Maybe does any plants, okay? Wait, wait. Is the conclusion of any of this research? Do any of the authors state this is evidence of sentience in plants? 
I, these are presentations. Okay, these no. are demonstrations. Okay, so no, no. Look, dude, just because plants can communicate, just because they send off pheromones or they can transfer information, that's not evidence of sentience. sentience In your opinion, but you are drawing specific. Sentience is something that's very specific. I don't care if you say, oh, it's in your opinion. No, if there's no evidence in support of something, you can't just say that's in your opinion. You don't have any evidence for your claims. Where's the evidence I, that plants are sentient? Just look at show the videos. Show me a paper. Show me, no, show me one The papers paper. are in the description of show all those me videos. one, okay, no, just link it. Can can you link uh, like text in this type of No, program? we do not link things in live freaking debates, man. Nobody does that. Yeah, I do. What do you mean? I have on your debates channel, on research. you have control. I have debates where I share right, research you know all the time. Let's try this. Okay. Dude, uh, just show me one single paper where the authors okay, concluded this second. is evidence of sentience Give in plants. Give me a second. I will try. Well, I'm not going to, like, no. Give me the name of one. The paper. I will find you a paper, and that's all I'm going to do. Okay, just give me the name of one. Uh, let's see. I'm going to put that bibliography in the chat and then I'm on a different laptop. So what I can do though, I can send it to Richard on Twitter and sure, do that. one remind you folks, we are very excited. I forgot to mention this at the start of the stream. We are on podcast. Now we are making the move. So this will be an addition to YouTube. This debate itself will also be a podcast that you can listen to and it will be a really fun one to listen to. We've got a lot of positive feedback. The chat's been enjoying this, you guys, and we've got a lot of great questions. So, yes, folks. Okay, so here's a paper. Uh, ecologist Suzanne Sinard. Just name the paper. Exploring how and why trees talk to each other. What journal was that published in? Yale Environment 360. Yale School of Environment. Okay, uh, for one thing, this isn't a... Okay, sure. Okay, do you understand what like a peer-reviewed journal is? This is, so this is a blog. Okay, do you want me to do woman... research and find okay, out? I can listen, write a paper for this, this if you woman, want. This woman is speaking in a blog and talking to each other is different than sentience. Computers talk to each oh other. Do you, do you understand that communication doesn't imply sentience? So what does? Well, being able to feel. It's, so it's not How do you know that something you can, can feel if it doesn't communicate? Look, it's not something that can be uh, deductively proven, but uh, you can make certain inferences. So if, it's not something that can be deductively proven. Uh, again, sentience is the ability to feel it's very so what are we difficult. talking about then? Okay, look, sentience is the ability to feel if you don't have any evidence that plants feel. If you only have evidence that plants communicate, then you don't have evidence okay, that hold plants hold on. Give me a second. Feel. Let me find the paper about them crying. Hold on. Fuck. I will find it. This is, okay, I'm, I'm guessing no, this you're is right just to a clickbait article. I, am the right, I, I need to find it. I need to find that for you. I'm guessing this is just a clickbait article and not a peer-reviewed medical journal, we'll and see, they we'll use see. those no, no. words, plants can cry. Because I watched these scientists talk. Title. That's all I did. It's an attractive title. There's no evidence that plants have sentience. Sentience is a very specific thing. It, it has nothing to do with communication. It is entirely possible that you may be correct. I listened to these scientists, these scientists talk, and that is the conclusion that I drew from that. That's all I can okay. say. This might be a decent time to go into the Q&A. If you guys have last thoughts, we can definitely have time for those. 
otherwise we can transition in pretty quick for that question and answer session. Mm. Now let's just go ahead and go to Q and A. I'm, well, you know you know I'm going to do this. Not, okay, so wait a minute. Before we go any further, I want to know exactly, you want to see evidence of the plants having a subjective feeling. Is that correct? Yeah, I want some sort of evidence that they can have a subjective experience. Any, any, okay, and I just want to be super clear because when I find it, I don't want any goalposts moving. Tell me anything else that you need to tell me about that before I go looking. I okay, will find that well, and I will send it to you. Some I'll send evidence, it to you on Twitter. Okay, well, the easiest evidence that they can have a sub, that they that a being has the ability to have a subjective experience is that they tell you. Um, obviously, most creatures can't communicate on that level, but um, <laughs> being able to respond to noxious stimuli, uh, being able to have some sort of my own eyes. being <laughs> able to have some sort of um, problem solving or reasoning ability. Uh, that's a very obvious one, um, and being having able to tell some sort of. How many of... times a bug lands on you? Huh? Before you, like being able to tell if it's a bug that's on your in your mouth, as opposed to just wind. That's or so. That's like evident. So that is, that could possibly be evidence, but again, uh, just because that happens, that doesn't mean that's the case that it's sentient. So I'd say okay, the so best evidence it's, it's, of sentience that you could possibly have is reasoning capability. So being okay, able to do some sort of problem solving. So when a, when a Venus flytrap needs exactly a certain number of steps taken on its mouth before it will close, we don't count that? Or do you think that that's possibly a reasoning type characteristic? No, because you can actually explain what's going on. Um, I, I, I can't remember. I'm not a, a botanist or whatever, but... There's a reason why a Venus flytrap can detect whether or not it's a fly or if it's, I don't know, some piece of debris. Uh, it's just because, I can't even remember the explanation, but it's not well, it's that it's reasoning. Steps. It's not that it's reasoning. It's that it has some sort of uh, built-in, yeah. it has some sort of built-in like molecular response. It's not that it, it reasons, oh, there's a fly there. I can tell that because there's a certain amount of steps or it feels a certain way. Yeah, it, it needs a certain number of action potentials to be sent down before it actually can close. Yeah, sort of like uh, how a computer can tell whether or not something's a Bluetooth signal or a Wi-Fi signal, something like that. Just because it can detect a certain device or a certain thing, that doesn't mean it's actually feeling and having a conscious experience. Have you ever tried Googling plants crying? Yeah, I, I've actually uh, responded to a few of those sorts of articles on my channel. Uh, and you just totally articles. don't articles. So they're clickbait articles. The videos? They're not published. I, I don't know about the videos. They're clickbait art. I don't care about videos, dude. I, I care about actual scientific evidence. So these are all clickbait articles. Uh, they're clickbait videos. They're worded in a way that's just attractive and eye-catching. There's nothing that suggests that plants actually have a conscious experience what they're talking about is plants having some sort of ability to communicate, and that's important for agricultural reasons. Uh, we might be able to prevent, we might be able to prevent uh, the spread of certain diseases that could kill crops or something like that. It's not any kind of evidence that these plants are conscious and feel and should deserve any kind of rights. I, I just don't see how that you can separate the two so cleanly like that. Conscious. Okay, so again, do you think your computer is conscious because it can communicate with other devices or other computers? 
I think that co computers or any node of sufficient complexity can have consciousness arise. Yeah. Now, I don't know um, that because nobody knows what consciousness is, but that's just my hypothesis. Okay, uh, just because something's complex, that doesn't mean it can actually feel. Uh, no, it like has to have a computer, network. It has to have a way to okay, exchange well, signals. Okay, well, my computer's on a network. It's called the internet. It can exchange signals with uh, with different computers. Like, what do you mean? Just because I'm downloading a and torrent? You, so because I'm you downloading deny a torrent? That it's possible? Yeah, it, it's completely impossible for consciousness to arise in that sort of way. Look, hmm. it, again, you're you're conflating two different things. Communication is different than uh, consciousness. Consciousness is a subjective experience, whereas communication is just sharing information. You don't need to have okay. consciousness to share information. We're pretty much so, we're near that time. I can give you, since uh, we had Richard start, if, uh, if you wanna have the last word to that, Kaz, we can give you that, as long as it's not like a speech, not like a short speech or anything, no, but no, just I like- I just wanna ask him one rebuttal. more question. Sure. Just, I just wanna ask one more question, just if, um, because I'm, I'm pretty sure that one of these videos is of a, a plant remembering a noxious stimuli and then altering its behavior in the future. Will that, if I can get you the paper behind that, will you make any concession there? No, uh, because again, that doesn't just, okay, so I know there's a few plants that can do that. Um, you're going to have to actually provide evidence of consciousness, not just that it changes its reaction based on something that happened before. Uh, that's not really any kind of direct evidence. I just, I really think that that's just okay, well, human you know what, bias. You know, what, you know what, dude, you know what, dude, um, we can have a debate about this, a really detailed, long debate about this on my channel, and you can bring whatever research you want, and you can message me on Twitter or whatever. That sounds great, man. And I really appreciate it. And, you know, I, I totally acknowledge that I could be totally wrong about this because, like I said at the beginning, you guys, you're on your shit when it comes to morals in a way that nobody else really is. So I sure. do applaud you for that. Okay. Sweet. Yeah, sweet. and um, yeah, I would just uh, I would just invite you onto debate whatever we can have a detailed discussion on um, sentience in the plant kingdom, and we can also have a longer debate about ethics as well if you're interested. Yeah, I'd really like to talk about the basic, the basis of your morality and what all of your principles are, so I can get a comprehensive look at it. Okay, sure. Okay. Sweet, sweet. Thanks so much, gentlemen. It's been a true pleasure. Really appreciate it. And also, yes, that would be exciting. We would love to tweet or put the word out if that debate happens. So feel free to let us know, guys. We always try to promote it no matter where the debate happens. So with that, we'll jump into these questions. Thanks for your question first from Steven. Thanks for your super sticker. Are those catching on? Okay. Crafty Keela, thanks for your question statement, says... Veganism doesn't stop cruelty to animals. It helps close small family farms. The only people buying that land are intensive, quote, farms, unquote, which equal more cruelty. So I think this is a challenge to you, Richard. If you want to respond, you, of course, could. Yeah, sure. So I, I understand this argument. Uh, this is sort of misinformation that was popularized by a, um, an animal scientist, uh, agricultural scientist named Archer Davis. He uh, put out a few really bad papers where he made a bunch of miscalculations, and uh, he calculated that um, if you raise a cat, uh, like a farm, if you have a farm where cows eat grass, that causes fewer animal deaths than if you were to grow um, like wheat. 
Well, he uh, made a bunch of miscalculations and the biggest miscalculation he made was he didn't factor in land use and productivity of um, the farm. You can grow far more food on a, in a smaller unit of land if you're using plant agriculture. And uh, that ends up killing fewer animals just because you can feed so much more people on a smaller piece of land. On top of that, he made a bunch of miscalculations on how many animals, like how many small field animals like mice are killed during harvest. Uh, so no, that's totally false. Fewer animals are killed and are harmed uh, to uh, grow plants. Gotcha. Can I ask, uh, Vegan Gaines, one more question real quick. Sure. Short and pithy, just because we have a lot of questions. I, um, Vegan Gaines, do you still support abortion? Are you still pro-life? Yeah. Oh yeah, I, mean, pro I, I support abor uh, abortions. Are you against egg consumption? Yeah. And it's not because, so eggs are unfertilized. It's not for that reason. Um, it's because of exploitation. All of the hens are exploited. Uh, so it doesn't have anything to do with uh, you like smushing their eggs. It's sure, because sure. of exploitation. So, so if we and were to killed. not be exploiting them, if they were like free range, only the excess, blah, 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 you'd be okay with that egg consumption? You'd have to be talking about a situation where they're wild, we're not breeding them, and you just happen upon some eggs uh, that are unfertilized and loose that aren't being tended to. Okay, I, I think that's reasonable enough. Thank you. Gotcha. And thanks for your super chat from Bartos Diagos. Says Kaz for president. You have a fan out there, Kaz. Very nice. And thanks for your question. This one comes in from T Yoga or statement says plants select for animals eating their fruit, though. Plants select for animals eating their fruit, though. Yeah, I, I um, us, go ahead. That's kind of weirdly worded. I think what he's saying is that uh, there's a symbiotic sort of relationship where um, plants will, like there, there's a co-evolution going on where plants will uh, create sweeter, more colorful fruits that attract uh, mammals in an attempt to spread more seeds. So it's beneficial for some of these plant-eating animals to uh, have like, you know, to seek out these plants and these plants benefit from these animals eating them because they spread their seeds. So um, I think that's what they're trying to say. I don't know how that relates to the debate though. Gotcha. And thanks for your question. This one comes in from Stupid Whore Energy Strikes Again. She says, the question should be, do plants have any capacity to suffer? I'll leave the next one. Uh, I would say no, since they're not conscious. Uh, you need consciousness to be able to suffer. Well, that's going to be the topic of the next debate. <laughs> yeah. That's what we need to discuss. Gotcha. And Ryan Gordon, thanks for your question, said, Tell me what untamed animals do for you if not provide food. You'd prefer taking their habitat away and turn it all into cropland? Okay, so uh, this is a pretty ridiculous idea. I I'd recommend that person read the UN's latest climate report. If you ch uh, turn to chapter 5, page 76, they outline how switching to a 100% plant-based food system where no animal agriculture is used would actually uh, free up land. So again, I mentioned earlier that if you, uh, if you farm plants, it is much more... Um, it's much more land efficient. You don't have to use as much land to grow the same amount of food. So if we were to get rid of animal agriculture, we would be able to use much less land for agriculture, which would actually free up a lot of uh, land to use to regrow forests. And they calculate that by 2050, 
if we switch to a 100% plant-based food system, we could reduce greenhouse gas emissions by one third. So I'd recommend you just read the UN's latest climate report. Gotcha. All right. Thanks. And also, thanks so much for your question from Germania says, if Kaz is against animal cruelty, why do you still eat meat from animals that were abused and treated cruelly? Isn't that cognitive dissonance? It's not cognitive dissonance if I'm not aware of it. If I am aware of it, I'm sorry. Um, I am aware of it. I am cognizant of it. And I am seriously considering it all the time. And I'm weighing the situation in real time. And hopefully I'll come to some kind of conclusion soon. But I just have to be honest and say, you know, like he was just like being the games was just saying about that uh, UN uh, study. I've looked into that too. And I really can't see any uh, failure in the logic. I hope that maybe somebody else will. But like I said at the beginning of my uh, opening, the efficiency argument is the best one they have, and it's irrefutable as far as I can tell. Gotcha. And thanks for your question. This one coming in from Sick Vibe One says For Kaz, if aliens couldn't understand for language or couldn't understand our language, would it be moral for them to kill us? We can interpret animal behaviors as them not wanting to die. If the aliens couldn't understand our language, then they wouldn't be intelligent. And then we would be us eating them. Gotcha. And Ryan, thanks for your question, said, what if the frogs are turning gay? Nice Alex <laughs> Jones meme there. <laughs> Raven Zero, thanks for your question, says, wow, I can see why the why they call him the psycho vegan. <laughs> Richard, oh, listen, we... I was just talking to somebody the other day, Richard, a huge fan of yours, and no joke, I'm dead serious. He's, he's. Uh, I go to the Plasma Center here, and he's a, he works there, and he, we were just talking about your, you have just the right personality for YouTube, because it's, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so next, thanks for your question, Lori Nicola thinks, they said, I'd be super into Vegan Gains' cause if he wasn't so insane about it. I'm intrigued. You have a, you have a critic out there, Vegan Gains. Do you have a, if you want, you respond. Otherwise, uh... yeah. I mean, um, I could be the worst person on earth, and I don't even try to act like I don't try to pretend as if I'm a, a good person. I don't consider myself a good person. Um, I think I'm just doing at least the minimum amount that I think should be required of me, um, which is you know going vegan, not killing and eating animals. But uh, yeah, regardless of my character, I mean, you should just listen to my arguments. Uh, you can block out all my personality issues and just listen to my arguments. And I think my arguments are pretty sound. Gotcha. Thanks for being a good sport, Richard. I'm taking these. <laughs> Ryan, thanks for your question statement said, Adolf was a vegetarian. Oh, I feel like I shouldn't have said that word. Uh, was a vegetarian and animal rights activist. He ate eggs to, to get protein, but hated doing it. That's actually not true. Um, one of his, uh, one of the people who made his food, like uh, chefs or food preparers uh, and food tasters, he ate meat regularly. Uh, the whole him being vegetarian, it was a, it was part of his political campaign. Uh, Gandhi was a popular political figure at the time. And he used that sort of popularity that Gandhi had, uh, where Gandhi would abstain from sex. He was vegetarian. He tried to follow that idea 
and he claimed he was a vegetarian. All he really did was reduce his meat consumption because apparently it gave him really bad gas. And he also claimed that he abstained from sex. And this was just to promote this idea that he's a really good, serious, reliable sort of person. And he tried to compare himself to Gandhi. That is super interesting. I did not know that. Okay. Thanks for your question. This one comes in from Lori McCole. Oh, we got that one. Taliesin Oberlander says, Vegan Gains is misrepresenting the Holocaust for his argument. The Holocaust goal was extermination. Co-modification is completely different. Okay, I, I don't think that's a misrepresentation. Uh, just because the Nazis wanted to cause extinction, I don't think it's wrong to make a comparison between the animal agriculture industry and the Holocaust when essentially um, the same moral wrongs are being committed. And uh, there are actually some Jewish Holocaust survivors who became animal activists and they compare uh, the Holocaust to animal agriculture. And I know quite a few uh, Jewish animal rights activists whose, uh, whose friends and family were actually in the Holocaust and they make the same comparisons. So I think the meaningful comparison is that these animals are uh, being mistreated. They're being uh, you know, forced into these enclosed spaces. They're being abused and they're being murdered. The extermination aspect of it isn't important. Gotcha. And I think you could argue it's worse because it's ongoing. It will never end unless we do something about it. Gotcha. I definitely would agree that the situation that we put these animals in is very reminiscent. And the suffering that we are creating by our practices is on par. Gotcha. And thanks for your question. Frustrated Atheist says, just want to know if I can still eat baby sandwiches. Thanks for that. Might use this as an opportunity for a serious question because we asked the vegan, uh, their YouTube channel called Those Annoying Vegans. They're self-titled. Really charming couple. And I'm curious, Vegan Gains, because we asked them the same question. Do you have any favorite recipes for those of us who are kind of moving into the vegan lifestyle or diet? Do you have any recipes that you'd recommend, like a sandwich, alternatives, or anything like that? Uh, I'm not a cook. I'm not great at recipes. I could just recommend a few cookbooks. I think uh, Thug, uh, Thug Kitchen Cookbook is a really good one. Uh, Avant Garde Vegan has a really good cookbook. I think those are some uh, really good cookbooks for, you know, good recipes to follow. Uh, just that that are more for taste, not necessarily for health. But um, yeah, I'd recommend those. I'd check out Avant Garde Vegan and Thug, Thug Kitchen. Uh, they have a few cookbooks. Thanks so much. And stupid whore energy strikes again she says what about all the loss of biodiversity exterminated when making land available to ruminants for meat production did you want to take that one or i'll take it so yeah uh, a lot of people don't uh a lot of people don't consider this like again uh archer davis has created uh, a lot of these uh, like bad ideas um, where people think that, oh, if the cow is just eating grass, it's good for the environment, it's natural, but it actually significantly impacts biodiversity. Uh, for one thing, you have to clear out a lot of land to make room for grazing cattle. Uh, cattle also prefer to eat particular types of grass, and that actually affects uh, biodiversity just because of the type of grass that they're eating. So that actually uh, gets rid of a lot of different uh, smaller animals, a lot of different uh, insects and uh, larger mammals that compete for the same space, like deer. Hmm. Okay, thanks so much. And Germania says, is it okay to beat a cow to death? If not, why eat 
beef. Maybe this is a challenge to Kaz or to uh, people who eat beef more broadly. Wait, we'll, we'll let you speak is for it. Okay? It. <laughs> no, I don't think it's okay to beat a cow to death. I think that's like I tried to make clear in my arguments, creating more suffering is not a good thing, but it's the distinction. The fact that they have a different utility. That's the reason they are capable that we are, that it's okay to eat them, but it doesn't make it okay to be cruel. Cruelty as a practice is never helpful to our species for our survival in the first place. Even and if you're committing it against another species, any cruelty as, as a, as a, in a vacuum, you know, if you just take this, the concept of cruelty and you practice that in any capacity, you're reducing our, our potential for survival. Okay. Do you think it's cruel to kill an animal that wants to live? Sure. Okay. So why aren't you vegan? How do you know that they want to live? Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure if uh, they knew what a gun was and I pointed at them, they'd run. Like, I mean, well, they run away from predators, correct? Well, then how do you know that plants don't want to live? Uh, because they're not sentient and they just sit there. Regardless of they what They just sit there, sure. But we don't know that they're not sentient. Yeah. We, we don't, do. we can't even, okay, well, we can't we'll, even we'll begin listen. Well, listen, we can't even begin to understand their experience. That's completely tangential to the idea that, you, you know, it's cruel You're using to kill a very limited That's completely tangential. Model. Okay, let's assume that plants are sentient. That doesn't make it okay to kill animals. But it doesn't... Where do you draw the line? I don't understand. If you can't empathize with that's a creature, tangential. then it's okay to kill it. That's what you're that's saying. That's tangential to the, the issue. How does that make it okay to kill an animal? Y your argument is that if you can't empathize with the creature, it's okay to eat it. What I want to do is I no. want to give Richard a chance to respond to what you had just said, Kaz. And then after that, Kaz, I'll give you a chance to respond to this original uh, question. Then we'll have to move to the next one. Yeah, what I'm, what I'm saying is if you recognize any form of cruelty as wrong and you recognize it as wrong to take away the life of a being that wants to live, then I don't see how you could say, uh, like, I don't see how you could keep eating meat. It sounds contradictory to me. I don't see how and, you can continue to live. Okay. Or, uh, Kaz, and, I want to get... Okay. <laughs> Returning back to this oh, sorry, question yeah. that they said, if it's uh, if it's not okay to beat a cow to death, then why eat beef? So we'll give you one chance, and then we got to move forward, short and pithy. It is okay to eat beef. It is not okay to beat them to death. Gotcha. And okay. stupid whore energy strikes again. She says bacteria can exchange signals. It's called quorum sensing i think this is regarding whether or not there can be communication and she's saying like even bacteria can communicate if you want to respond yeah. kaz you can yeah. otherwise did you want to respond no i, I that's what that's my point that i'm trying to okay. make yeah the, yeah go ahead yeah communication doesn't imply uh consciousness again consciousness is a very specific thing it's the ability to have a subjective experience so in layman terms it's the ability to feel uh, something doesn't necessarily have to feel something to be able to communicate. Your computer is a great example of this. Just because your, your computer can communicate with other devices, other computers, no. that doesn't mean it can feel. So Hold you're on. conflating two different things. You're just, confla just, conflating communication with sentience. Hold on. Can I say something to that? Sure. Uh, a computer sure. cannot communicate. Communicate. Okay. A computer is a tool of communication. Like my tongue does no, not communicate. communicate. I use my tongue to communicate no like. your computer can communicate uh, it can communicate with different devices it can communicate with other computers so no it can't ultimately 
any communication that a computer does requires a human being to initiate it, even if no, that's, that's back not in true. the programming you can, stages. No, 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 that's not true. You can develop an AI and you can program an AI to do certain things and actually communicate. Okay, so are we, are we saying that AIs created, are not sentient? No, AIs are AIs not sentient. No, AIs are not sentient. Google has created they will never a, be. an AI. Uh, no, there's a certain, so there's a debate going on right now about what causes sentience in the artificial uh, intelligence community. And right now, a lot of the debate is centered around whether or not there needs to be a certain type of matter in these sorts of machines uh, for sentience to to exist. But no, just because something can communicate, that doesn't mean it's actually conscious. So That's uh, what you just said, okay, well, listen, what you just said is just completely false. Uh, Google has created an AI. You can actually Google it right now and go to the, the type of program. You can try to have a communication with this artificial uh, speech uh, AI. So that doesn't mean it's actually conscious. It's, so uh, if, if one day you have a robot that do. says, I don't... I hate to do this, Cass, but just we, we have to keep because we have a number of questions yet. We can debate this later, dude. Uh, so um, don't worry right, about it. You're right. You're yeah, right. and by the way, folks, a shortcut, instead of keeping... I mean, we'll still tweet it out and Facebook post their debate. But if you subscribe to their channels, then you'll probably hear about it even more directly. So their links are in the description, friendly reminder. And Andrew T says, tell Richard and Jasmine I said hi. Next, one last one. Where is it? We've got uh, another one like that. Or no, this is, this is a coming at you hard, Kaz. Adam Elbilia says, Kaz, is it that hard to admit that it's indeed immoral, but sadly you don't care enough about it i'm saying it as a carnivore myself i i don't know if i wasn't clear but the the way that we kill animals is immoral but we've i think even vegan gains admitted that certain instances of eating meat are not immoral so i mean we have arbitrary lines that we're drawing between us but i don't think that the uh the situation is so clear that i must admit anything next thanks for your Question from Gurmania asks, even if plants were sentient, we would still be morally justified to eat them because it's out of necessity, whereas we humans don't have to eat meat. Yeah, you don't so, have to eat plants. Well, you, you do. Like, okay, no, so you can die. You can okay, choose well, to die. Look, well, okay, well, look, assuming that we have uh, an interest in living, then we are going to have to make that sort of moral choice. And um, if we're going to even give you that, uh, that plants are sentient, I mean, I could very easily argue that plants aren't as sentient as animals. Yes. I could very easily argue that the amount of suffering caused by eating plants is far, uh, far less than eating meat. And uh, if you care about plant lives, uh, the majority of our, uh, of our plant agriculture actually gets used to feed the animals you eat. Um, so you'd actually end up causing more plant deaths by eating meat. So in either case, uh, the whole plants are sentient thing, it doesn't actually help the whole carnist argument that, you know, it's okay to eat meat. Gotcha. And thanks for your question. This one's coming from Earl of Sandwich says, pet owning animal eaters. Can I kill and eat your pet? I'll pay you for it. Come on. Gotcha. And thanks. Oh, wait, we... Let's see, do we have, that might be it. Let me just double check just to be sure I didn't miss any. And so want to say folks, really appreciate it. This is always fun. These guys are a pleasure to have on. And let's see, Donnie Darko, thanks for your super chat. And Mir Kader, thanks for yours. Didn't see anything written, but really appreciate the support. And Phil the Logician, thanks for your question. Said, Rich, how do you feel when you see babies in strollers? 
Well, um, I have certain urges. Uh, I just try to avoid them though. Uh, they kind of, I, I have a phobia of children. Um, I think it's called pedophobia where they actually make me really anxious and nervous and I have a, a weird irrational fear of children. So I just try to avoid them. Gotcha. Are you going to have children one day? No, I, I got a vasectomy, so. Gotcha. And Mayor Kadir, thanks for your question that just flew in, said a uh, statement, said plants react and don't respond, thus not sentient, right? Also, painless killing in human context is wrong because of desire to live. Is it? Yeah. Uh, okay. So, um, he meant, so this is going to be something that we're going to have to debate, but I think he is making at least uh, like some fair point with the plant sentience thing. Um, it's kind of ridiculous to think that all plants would be sentient just because you can find a few. There are plants that don't communicate, don't respond to stimuli. Um, I, I think the majority of the ones we eat, they're not comparable to things like Venus flytraps. And um, what is it? Yeah, a, a big aspect of why it's wrong to kill is because the animal you're, or being you're killing doesn't want to be killed. That's uh, one big reason why we think it's wrong to kill people. So, uh, and that's why we think it's okay to mercy kill people who uh, want to be, uh, want to die because they're in horrible pain. Uh, animals, for the most part, aren't in that situation, at least not the ones we eat. So I think uh, that's one of the big reasons why it's wrong. Gotcha. And King Carb also says, hi, Richard. A lot of, lot of fans out there. So we really appreciate these guys. It's been a true pleasure, folks. Want to say thanks for all your questions. And oh, wait, no, let, we do, if you guys forgive me for one sec. Francesca, Francesca King was like, she was ex asking a lot of questions. So I want to ask at least one is... Uh, asked what would be the least economically devastating way to transition from animal farming so uh right now um a lot of, like animal farming is really beneficial for like for the economy uh, a lot of people make good money off of animal farming uh there are certain uh big cash crops Right now, uh, palm oil is a big one. There are obviously environmental issues with palm oil, but um, uh, I, I just say uh, with the transition to a plant-based diet, chances are there's going to be a big surge in demands for mock meats. And what's probably going to become the big cash crops are gonna be things like soybeans, uh, you know, uh, different types of peas that they use for the pea protein and some of these meat substitutes. So I think that would probably be a, like a pathway anyway to uh, offset that economic issue. And uh, one thing I, I do want to mention too, I mean, uh, animal farming is a huge economic issue as we've seen with the coronavirus. It's lost uh, how many trillions of dollars to the worldwide economy. So um, avoiding close contact with animals uh, in, by any means, including in agriculture, um, in the long term would be economically beneficial. Gotcha. Thank you very much. And with that, thanks so much to these guys. They're linked in the description, as I mentioned, folks. And with that, want to say thanks, folks. We will be back tomorrow with a debate on good old flat earth. So that should be fun. And so with that, keep sifting out the reasonable from the unreasonable. And one last thanks and goodbye to Vegan Gains and Kaz. Appreciate you guys being here. Thank you, James. Thank you, Vegan yeah, Gains. Absolutely. With that, take care, folks. Have a great rest of your night. Okay, are we off? We are off. Yeah.
know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.